We're joined today by Daniel Hadley, founder of Carbon Croc, an online application that integrates into e-commerce websites to make customers' orders carbon neutral. In today's podcast, we'll discuss the obstacles faced by small businesses in their attempts to become more sustainable and provide ethical shopping for consumers. Particularly, we'll discuss the solutions for small and medium-sized businesses operating online to integrate environmental sustainability into their business models. So, Dan, welcome to the ESG podcast. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for having me. Let me start by asking you about Carbon Croc and how it came to be. What motivated you to create an application to promote eco-friendly practices in the, in the e-commerce sphere? Well, listen, Clive, last year, uh, me and my co-founder, we had this brilliant idea of launching a green travel company. And unless you've been living under a rock, you might have noticed there was a worldwide pandemic last year. So you can imagine what a success that travel company was. And it was in the depths of lockdown that uh, my co-founder and I, we were amazed by how quickly consumer habits started to change. There was like a massive increase in people purchasing directly from their favorite brands online. And on the other hand, there was also a massive realization that e-commerce is not that sustainable, right? There was lots of media coverage of all the, um, all the packaging, the plastic piling up. Uh, lots of people talking about the delivery vans, how many millions of delivery vans were on our roads, spewing carbon dioxide. And people started to question just how sustainable this whole e-commerce thing really is. So that's really where the origins of Carbon Croc came from. It's a kind of deep frustration, I guess, with the status quo. And on the other side of the table, you have businesses who don't really know where to start going green. The supply chains haven't caught up. Doing a life cycle assessment is expensive. And there was no simple answer just to integrating sustainability into their business model. So, so that's really the foundation of Carbon Croc and, and where we got the idea from is that you know, we want to help online businesses reduce their environmental impact. And obviously, if possible, go completely carbon neutral so that they can keep running their business. And our job is just to keep it green. So two questions, uh, or rather one observation. Clearly, that fits exactly with what the ESG Foundation is all about, trying to, to help people become ESG friendly, as it were. I'm curious about the name. Where does Carbon Croc come from? Carbon Croc is because we want to take a massive crocodile-sized bite out of the climate crisis. Now we move on. I'm glad I asked that one. <laughs> okay, so what, what does the term carbon neutral entail? Is it something that's realistically accessible to small businesses? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So carbon neutral, um, there's, there's no regulation yet in place that defines what it is. It's a, it's a term that's often thrown around. And not everybody understands what it means. But what everybody agrees on is that carbon neutrality is when you have a product or service that doesn't emit more carbon than it removes. So this can be achieved by first measuring the carbon impact of the product or service being sold, and then reducing or offsetting the equivalent amount of carbon from the atmosphere. So, you know, we've often read in papers that uh, megacorps such as Microsoft, um, or I think IKEA recently as well, said that they're going to be carbon neutral by 2050. And they, you know, they pledge millions of dollars to do this. And often small businesses, they think that this is completely inaccessible to them. 
but that's 100% not true. There's everybody can go green and most of the time the costs are actually quite marginal. So the term carbon neutral, just to sum up, all it means is that you're removing more carbon from the atmosphere than you emit. And that's something that's totally accessible to small businesses. Now, I looked on the world, I think it's Worldwide Fund for Nature's website. I think that's the one. Um, mm -hmm. Listeners will no doubt barrage me with information if that's incorrect. And I wondered what or how much carbon an individual emits every year. And very few people know that effectively it's the same amount of carbon if you um, if you reduced it to dust that would fit into a small house that's how much carbon we actually create which i thought was an interesting way of looking at the impact that we're all each individually having on on the on the, on the world um but rather than me talking about that let me ask you about your own market research and app development what, what have you noticed um are the most prevalent obstacles for small businesses um to incorporate esg practices in their business models just to, just to bounce back on the, the last point you brought up, Clive, um, I think it's really interesting talking about how to visualize what carbon is, because when we speak to a lot of our partners and we start talking about a, a carbon footprint in kilos or tons of CO2, it's so abstract, it doesn't mean anything to anybody. So we're always looking for, for fun and new ways of explaining to people what a carbon footprint is and, and how to visualize it. So... If any listeners out there have any ideas, feel free to, to write in or get in touch because we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> so, so for me, there's, there's three main obstacles to SMBs incorporating ESG practices into their business models. The first one is just a lack of knowledge about the matter. As I said earlier, there's, there's often people who, sp who speak about millions of dollars being pledged by megacorps and a small business thinks, you know, we're never going to be able to have that much money to have that big an impact. But in reality, there's so many other ways that we can improve without too much difficulty. The second obstacle is time. Um, having spoken to hundreds of online sellers, the stories are always similar. There's, you know, there's a merchant who wants to spend time working on their product, on their customer service, on their brand. They spend their time, you know, either uh, de designing what it, what it is that they're selling. Uh, they spend time talking to their customers. They spend time doing research and they feel like they don't have the time to look into sustainability as well. And that's something that we're trying to work on at, at Carbon Croc is to say, hey, look, you know, you're super good at what you do. So you keep running your business and our job will be to look into sustainability and to keep it green so that you don't need to spend your time worrying about all these ESG practices you can just keep on focusing on what you're good at and have somebody else deal with all the, the sustainability bit. And then I think that the third obstacle is there are people who just don't care. Um, it's completely fine if it's not your cup of tea. Well, it's, it's not fine actually because it's something that's pretty important and that impacts everybody, but there's always going to be people who are just focused on something else ESG is not a value that they hold dear, but I think that over the years, societal change and regulations will help curb their negative impact, and those will be the people who are left behind. So I really encourage everybody to get on the bandwagon today if you don't want to be, if you don't want to be left behind. 
Well, you, you make a great point, um, and it's actually one of the reasons why the ESG Foundation has, has set off so quickly, in that no Generation Z or Millennial that I've met would be prepared to work for an organisation that didn't have an ESG strategy at its heart. You know, they simply exactly. aren't prepared to, to work for people who who, who aren't um, you know, courteous to society, who aren't who don't supply, who pay their suppliers on, you know, who have to pay their suppliers on time, um, who care about the well-being of their staff. Um, mm -hmm. But actually, there's a commercial imperative that if you're a if you're an owner manager and a, or a business owner looking to sell it, there aren't many big investors out there, particularly even if they're institutional investors, who would countenance a sale for an organisation that didn't have an explanation as to what it was doing around ESG metrics. So I think you're actually helping people make their organizations um, more employable, if that's a word, and also more attractive economically to people who potentially will ultimately one day consider buying them. Um, but, but let me ask, in contrast to large corporations whose ESG listing will influence their position on the stock exchange and attract investors, what are the real benefits for small businesses and online stores to initiate environmental changes in their businesses? And maybe focus more on perhaps on the you know the carbon crop stuff rather than my ESG interest. Sure. So more and more today, consumers they're thinking twice before buying. They're getting educated on the pros and cons of fast fashion. They know that products are sometimes shipped 10 times around the world before arriving at their front door. The plastics are completely overused everywhere. Uh, I read a stat recently that today. 73% of consumers actually change their consumption habits to reduce their environmental impact. And that is huge. There's a massive shift coming. And like you said, as Gen Z enters the market, this is only going to intensify. So the real benefits for the SMBs are there, that if you don't adapt to this cultural shift, you'll be left behind. And I think that you might not notice it for a couple of years, but as time goes on, your business will start to you know, fizzle out and everybody else will have such a head start that you won't be able to catch up. And, and that's kind of the best case scenario. In the worst case scenario, you, know, you get called out for not being green or you get boycotted for bad practices and that can really hit your bottom line. So if you want to change your supply chain, the materials you use, the packaging you use, all of this stuff takes time. And the best time to start is now. It's super important for businesses to take a moral stance if they want to increase their community's lo loyalty and also attract new employees, new customers, new business with strong values. And that's the work that we do at Carbon Crop is really focusing on the business objectives of small businesses and saying, hey, you can go green, but you can also have a huge return on investment by doing so. Now how have you overcome the scepticism felt by some environmentalists towards carbon offsetting specifically as a legitimate solution to the climate crisis, uh, you know, as a way for companies to avoid the responsibility of making a long-lasting sustainable change at the core of what they do? This is um, a question which often comes up. And to be 100% honest with you, Clive, I don't know what the best answer is. But <laughs> in my opinion, carbon offsetting is not the holy grail is not going to stop climate change overnight. But if you read the IPCC reports, you actually learn inside that we absolutely must start removing carbon from the atmosphere today 
if we want to stay below our global warming targets. Just reducing our carbon footprint is not going to be enough. So put it this way, what we do at Carbon Crop is we help you measure your current carbon impact. And once you've done that, you can start offsetting today already. This is an impact you can have right now. Everybody who says this is pointless or this doesn't actually change anything, is, it's just not true. It does have an impact. It does remove carbon from the atmosphere. I totally agree that we should be you know, reducing it over time as well. But these are the things that take time. You know, you might change a supplier, you might change your transporter, you might change a manufacturing line. And to do all of this, you have to do research, you have to write contracts, and this can take time, this can take money, it can even take years to get a new production line. So that's why at Carbon Crop we say, let's start making this impact today, let's offset today with the information that we already have. And then over time, you can start reducing as well. And it kind of frustrates me when I hear about companies who emit millions of tons of CO2 and they will, uh, they'll publish something saying that, you know, over the past five years, they have reduced their carbon emissions by 10%. So let's give ourselves a good pat on the back. No doubt 10% is great. I have nothing against that. But as a company, you're still emitting millions of tons of CO2. And that needs to be accounted for. That needs to be offset. And it can be done so easily. It's a small cost. But as you reduce your impact over time, that cost will diminish. So if anything, it kind of gives you more of an incentive to reduce your emissions if you've already started offsetting. If that wasn't clear, just to sum up, offsetting, no, it's not a solution that will stop climate change overnight, but it really is a necessary tool that we should be implementing today. Good point. You mentioned uh, the economy there. Economists have noticed a correlation between the pandemic and increased environmental awareness. How do you think the pandemic affected small businesses' perception of climate change during this time of economic hardship? And I suppose a subsidiary was that, do you feel e-commerce business owners are more or less inclined to transition to sustainable practices? Because that's where you came in, recognizing that people you know, were buying things online. Mm -hmm. Totally, we, we've clearly noticed that times are changing. Um, there's more and more backlash towards brands that don't care about the planet, and that's, completely true. Um, what we're seeing is that e-commerce business owners, they really want to make this switch to more sustainable practices, despite it being a potential cost. Um, a lot of the people we speak to, they're going above and beyond their duty to have a better impact on the planet. And we should totally applaud them for that because they're doing it in a time that's very difficult for a lot of businesses. Um, a lot of people have been you know, have been forced to close for several months. Uh, they have difficulty recruiting. There's loads of other problems going on. But clearly it's entered the, the zeitgeist that the, the current economy and the, the way that we're moving forward, um, it's, it's all tied in with the health of the planet. And as long as we keep on taking care of our planet, we can keep on doing good business. And I think the two are very highly correlated. There's a, a fascinating article that one of your colleagues has, has put on our website um, about the use of plastic and um, the, the, the perceptions that I had, at least, that plastic was bad and, and bottles were good. Um, if anybody's not sure as to whether a, a, a plastic bottle is better than a, a glass bottle, um, read the article. 
on the website. Um, it's really interesting. And I think one of the things I've learned and certainly listening to you is we do need to change our perceptions. I think a lot of what we think we know needs to be challenged. I think we can't change our behaviours until, until we start measuring them. Um, so I wholly understand, uh, I think, where you're coming from. Do you, do you think enough is being done to encourage small businesses to adopt ESG, though, from your perspective? I mean, and, and more importantly for me, how would you recommend supporting the gradual spread of ESG within the e-commerce and small business sphere? We're, we're definitely on the right track. I think that perhaps there could be a bit more government support, but it's getting there. People are, are very open to talking about it today. I mean, this, this conversation we wouldn't be having five years ago. People wouldn't necessarily be interested in listening to us, but it's, uh, it's a conversation that we can have today. People are very aware of it. And in my opinion, the best way to support the spread of ESG knowledge and practices within the e-commerce industry would just be to speak to those around you. I, I personally think there's nothing more powerful than the word of mouth. So share an article that you've recently read or a film that impacted you that you saw, or you know, even speak about this podcast that you're listening to right now. Things that are important to you will also be important to those who surround you. And we're, we're just not alone in wanting to make a difference. The, the part of my job that I enjoyed the most is speaking to the, all these incredible business owners who have the most fascinating visions for a more sustainable future. And if that's something that you resonate with, then just don't be afraid, go out there, start implementing whatever it is that you have in mind and start making a difference today because everybody will support you in doing so. Now, one of the good connections about what you're doing and what we've been doing is um, we've we've got um, on our on the ESG Foundation's website some examples of ESG reports because if you've never written one before, it would be good to see presumably you know what other people have written. Do you have any case studies on on the Carbon Croc website as to the the examples of what your clients uh, are doing to, to to make the change that you know is necessary? Yeah, we're currently in the middle of a redesign of our website. So if you come, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but if you are listening to this in, in, in the month of September, then we should have a brand new website and there will be case studies up there, which will show you the, how, how companies that we work with um, remove carbon from the atmosphere and also increase their bottom line in doing so. I think it's brilliant. Um, and once again, I've run out of time. Um, so I'm ever so sorry, we're going to have to draw this discussion to a close, but thank you listeners for listening. Um, if this is the first ESG Foundation podcast you've heard from us, do check out the rest of the podcast channel on YouTube, Spotify or Apple Play. Um, and there are also lots of resources, of our, as I've alluded to, on ESGfoundation.org, including this growing archive of ESG reports, which we're keen and um, should carry on growing. So do check those out. As you've heard today, ESG is a fascinating and evolving subject. So I hope you'll come back again, Daniel. Uh, you're always welcome. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you very much for your time today, Daniel. And thank you very much, listeners, um, for listening. Thanks, Clive. Thank you.